This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Thanks for taking the time to download this BBC Radio 5 Live podcast. To search for other podcasts you might like, click bbc.co.uk slash 5 Live, where you'll also find our terms of use. Simon Hughes is here, uh, talking to James Anderson this week. Uh, he's an extraordinary performer, isn't he, Simon? You, you also had fun talking to him, actually. Well, it's just been a fascinating road that he's, that he's trodden or, or, or uh, travelled over the last 16 years. I remember watching that first match that he really came to prominence in in Cape Town when he bowled out Pakistan with those yes. four wickets. And I just thought, that's the kind of bowler I wanted to be. And I never was anywhere near that good. But that's what I wanted to bowl. I wanted to bowl that late swing. And I really wanted to know how he'd done it, where he'd come from, because he came pretty much from nowhere. He'd hardly played any county cricket before he played for England. And it's just been fascinating watching his evolution over time. So I sat down with him on Friday. And I've sort of divided his career down into sort of four phases I suppose, a bit like a, a mountaineer, it's a hard job isn't it being, being a fast bowler, so the, the first phase was sort of two or three years during which he took that four for 29 which was a bit like being at base camp and then he had a, a bit of a period where they were mucking around with his run-up and his action and so on. And he, he had a few difficult years. And I sort of call that a, a slippery slope because he was listening probably to too many coaches and going backwards at times. Then he really scaled the peak in around about 2011 uh, when England won the Ashes, of course, in Australia. And during that period, he was a, a phenomenal performer. And he's remained at the peak, really, over the last two or three years, at times just below the, the, the summit, if you like, but able to climb it and scale it every so often when England really need it. But the interesting thing he says is that throughout all that period, it's been a systematic acquisition of vital skills. My whole career I've just tried to learn and um, you know, I found the first say five years pretty tough when you want to be learning the art of bowling but at the same time I had action problems, I was working on it, I had injury problems um, so that sort of takes away your focus from the skills that you want to learn which I found pretty difficult but then once I got over that then you know, I've been able to just give my full attention to the, to the skills that I want to use and then I've just learned also the sort of game management of when to use those sort of deliveries and, and on, on different sorts of surfaces as well which has really helped and you know if you look back on some you, you get those you know replays sometimes of that World Cup uh, performance in 2003 which where you, you sort of really came to, to, to everyone's notice do you look back on that as almost a different bowler or can you see yourself in there still well I actually saw that game not long ago on uh, replayed on the TV and um, it, it, I do look I, I look back and think I'm a different bowler yeah different action different sort of load up um, quicker run up probably probably slightly quicker run up um, but the scene position is, is pretty much the same and that's something that I've been fortunate with ever since I learned how to swing the ball is I've always kept that scene position and um, I think that stood me in good stead over the years, even through the difficult times with my action and things like that. I still managed to maintain that seam position. And where did that come from, that seam position? Was that, was that something that you just had naturally, or did you did you copy somebody else? No, well, I, I, when I grew up playing for Burnley, I was I just ran in with a, trying to hold it straight, as straight as I possibly could, and then it wasn't until Mike Watkinson at Lancashire sort of 
when he was second team coach and he taught me how to to swing the ball and then you know since then um it it i won't say it came naturally but it didn't take me too long to to um get used to that and figure it out um so yeah it's it's something that I, i'm constantly working on it as well it's still still even, now yeah even in practice just seeing if there's things i can do whether you know just tilting it slightly one way or the other will make it swing more or less uh, and you know in conditions where it's hooping around corners you, you might want one to still look like an outswinger but doesn't do as much and they're the sorts of balls that you get the edge with and so just trying to tinker around with things like that and the the, the late swing that you had uh, certainly early in your career and you still have now have you identified where that comes from I mean I'm guessing you know sort of educated guessing that it's the it's the it's that coil that you have the wind up that seems to add that natural torque to the ball. I mean, have you ever kind of looked at that in a scientific way? Not really. I think the conditions aren't always susceptible to, to that late swing. But when it does swing late, that there are things that I do to try and make it sort of go even later. And, you know, I'll, I'll almost try and fall away a little bit with my front side and my head. So I'm almost pushing the ball in towards the right hand of batsman. And then that sort of makes it go even later. And but as I said, it's not always. It doesn't always hoop like that. So again, that, there are things that I tinker with just to, uh, you know, sometimes it feels like it's swinging more from the hand, which is easy to pick for the batsman. Yeah, and uh, I, funnily enough, I I used to find going wider of the crease sometimes mm. it swung m- more. I, I n- never worked out why. Yeah, and that that's something else that I try and use and, and play around with. And also it, saying that something that a lot of people don't use is actually coming tight to the stumps. You know, you talk to bowlers about using the crease, they go sort of mid-crease for the normal delivery and then use wider the crease as their variation. But, you know, you watch someone like Dale Stain who comes in really tight and that's something else I've tried to develop is, you know, getting real tight to the stumps and just changing the angle again for the batter. Actually, Terry Alderman was a, was a great one for that. You asked Graham Gooch. Um, <laughs> I'm just going back, so you talked about the, the first part of your career with the, you know, when you were very young and just sort of learning the game. Then the, that period where people tried to change your run-up and action mm. I, I suppose do you look back on that as the sort of darkest period really well I guess so from a cricket point of view I, I just I wasn't in a great place sort of mentally going into games I, I was in and out of the team and when I did get an opportunity I was thinking too much about my action rather than um, actually getting into a contest with the batsman but at the same time I kind of look at it as something I probably needed to go through um, just to it just confirmed to me that what I was doing before was was good um, and worked for me. I think around that period it was when people were obsessed with speed and trying to get an extra two or three miles an hour out of me and that's why I lengthened my run-up. My load was slightly different and that kind of just sent my rhythm off completely. And I remember seeing you running down with cones yeah. down the, 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 the run-up mm. trying to get you straight and actually now your run-up is probably shorter than it's ever been and... Or, and it's, I mean, it's shortish anyway, yeah. and it's at a slight angle. Yeah, well, mine now is just, it's something that feels good for me. It's not, I'm not saying this is how people should run in, this is what works for me. It's the same length run-up I, I've had since I was 15, so it's, it's not something that I've, I've ever tinkered with other than trying to lengthen it for, to get more speed. I lengthened it by about five paces in sort of 2003-04. But since then, yeah, I've, I've, I try and sort of... For, for me, the, the run-up is, is all about the last sort of six six sort of paces, six steps. 
So leading up to that, it's just about finding some rhythm, and then you build up pace to, at, at the end, and then that's where you you, you know you get your direction um, at the bats. And and actually, I think run up controls as much as anything the length. Mm. If you if you hit the crease at the right spot with the right sort of momentum, then you can pretty much bowl almost any length you want. I mean, I, I so I just found that. Uh, that I'd no ball actually when I was a kid and so you know my run-up was really badly marked but eventually I got a run-up really grooved and I couldn't bowl a bad ball because mm. it just it just felt natural yeah and it doesn't look like you can bowl a bad ball you know unless you actually want to bowl a half volley it looks like you're just naturally going to bowl a length ball every time and it probably feels like that does it well yeah you're, you're exactly what you say like I think if you've got the control when you hit the crease then yeah, the ball should go where you want it to, and you know when I, th- I think that's what it is when people are out of rhythm. They're not, you know, you're hitting your back foot might be hitting the ground too early, or you, you, you know your front foot's not ra- landing in the right spot, and that's where people kind of lose their line and lose their length. But when you've got that rhythm and you're hitting the crease, the same spot, you know, the, uh, with the same force each time, you just get into such a rhythm that you, yeah, you feel like you can't bowl bowl by ball. And are you affected by footholds or anything? Because it's a very uneven ground you can end up landing mm. on there. Are you ever affected by that? It doesn't look like it, but maybe yeah. you just take it in your stride. I think all bowlers are. It's something that affects everyone. For, for me, I need my front foot to get good good amounts of grip because that's where I get my power from, is, is bracing my front leg and then going over the top of it. So when the dust, you know, footholds can get dusty and then you don't have as much grip and I, I feel like I don't have as much force and mm. as much power. So then again, it's sort of using your head you can come back a little bit on the crease line to to get out of it go wider the crease or inside it and just try and avoid it a bit so when did the penny drop as far as say your run-up goes because you know you started as this sort of explosive bowler mainly bowling quite full big swingers then you went Mm -hmm. through a a period of trying to find your right action and your right run-up and all that when do you think you really clicked I'm not sure really. I think it's it's certainly in the last five or six years. I've, I've so I always thought, you know, the the mental side of the game has been a big thing for me, and, and getting my head right before each game, because I I always thought, you know, whether it's a lack of confidence or lack of self belief, I thought if I had a good game, one game, then, or if I had two good games in a row, then I'm, I'm due to have a bad game, and then it's taken me a while to figure out that actually, I don't have, you know, you can have a good game every time you go out there and bowl. So. Having that sort of switch in mentality has helped me and um, that's come in the last sort of five or six years where I think everything's just fallen into place. Like you say, just something's just something's everything's just clicked together at the same time. My head's in a good spot. My action is as good as it ever has been uh, and my skills are as, as good as they have been. I feel confident bowling in all conditions. I always felt when you were sort of you know in your mid-twenties and late-twenties, you may be worried about whether the ball would swing on a daily basis and on certain days when it, for some strange reason it doesn't swing mm. you know you're still trying to bowl the same ball and it's not as effective and therefore you have that sort of anxiety that oh, it's not swinging today it must be something wrong with my action yeah. therefore I need to be doing something different and that just messes you up completely yeah but and then again it took me a while to figure out that some days it just doesn't swing at all or as much as you'd want it to and I think what the anxiety I used to get was that I didn't have anything to fall back on once the ball wasn't swinging I wasn't great at holding length Um, but since you know just again it's with work and practice and just the repetition of bowling I think that's really helped me 
you know, now I go into a game confident that if if it's the flattest pitch in the world, I know I can go up one and over if I if I have to set in the right field and bowl in the right lengths and stuff like that. So I feel like I can I can compete in all conditions. Interestingly, I looked up your economy rate the other day and. In your first twenty odd tests, it was nearly four and over, mm. three point eight or something. Now, in the last three years, it's two point three. Mm. So there's a real stark difference. And you know, is that is that a mental thing that you're more accurate, or do you think it's a skills thing? A bit of both, I think. Both. Is, you know, it's a mental thing because you've got to concentrate for a long period of time to keep hitting the same length, bowling the same ball, not getting bored, not getting. Impatient. And you don't get bored. No. And it's something that me and Stuart work quite a lot on together. Is there's always a danger if if you get to the end of a spell, you know it's your last over, and you go and search for a, you know a wicket or two in your last over and go for go for eight, and you've just sort of ruined the pressure that you've built up over that five or six overs, whatever the spell is. And that's something that we really try and focus on is just get out your spell. You know, it might not happen this this spell. If you've bowled a spell six overs for ten or twelve. The guy coming on after is then his chance of getting a wicket of, of increase. So you're doing a, a really good job for the team. You, I thought, um, you know, where you're, when you're saying about not worrying so much about whether the ball's moving or not and learning your your game and, and knowing that you had something to fall back on other than swing was beautifully summed up in that last test because in the first innings it swung mm. and you bowled out Murali VJ with an absolute peach and you were obviously looking to mainly swing it away and bowl yeah. quite full. And then suddenly in the second innings, it was all different, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, we got fortunate because the conditions were ideal. Uh, both times we bowled, the first innings it did swing a lot, so we, we made best use of that. And then second innings, I think it was quite drizzly when we were out there, uh, and the ball just seemed to kiss off the pitch nicely and um, seamed around a little bit. So that's when we made a conscious effort of, of really trying to bowl good balls hit, try and challenge their forward defence as much as we could and we knew with the slope and with the pitch doing a, a, as much as it did that we'd challenge the outside or inside edge if we bowled enough good balls On a daily basis when you run up to bowl your first over are you generally if it's a new ball looking to try and swing it first and see what there is and if not revert to other practices Yeah definitely it's, I, th- I think you get a feel in the morning warming up whether it's going to swing or not and I will generally look to try and swing the ball um, the new ball when I start bowling and then yeah it's just kind of tinkering with it from there if you think the pitch is actually you know you, you rely on your slips and your, your, your captain and your wicket keeper to give you feed information back and say we think it's going to seem more than swing so maybe try that a little bit more but it's, and also, it's, it, I mean, when it was hooping round at Lords in the first innings, I, I remember bowling at Coley, and I bowled three sort of wobble bo- seam balls that went straight, and it was as if he um, thought it'd stop swinging, and then I bowled two swingers after, and he played and missed at both of them. Um, so there's ways of using it as well, even in, in uh, con- uh, swinging conditions. Do you, I don't know if you know, but you've now taken, in the this decade, 2010 to 18. You've taken 405 wickets. 405 test wickets <laughs> in eight years. I mean, I think that is in- quite incredible. Don't you? Yeah. 405 well, test <laughs> wickets. It just makes me think what I was doing for the first seven. Um, <laughs> well, you took 150 yeah. in the first seven. Yeah, I mean, I've just, I've, enjoy- I've really enjoyed the last sort of eight years. I've, I feel like I'm really in control every time I bowl and uh, it makes it a lot of fun when I go out there and 
instead of being scared and worried about the challenges of playing overseas as well I'm actually looking forward to it you know looking forward to going to Sri Lanka or the West Indies knowing that there might not be much help for the seam bowlers but it's a challenge and uh, I want to show people that I've got skills that can can work in those conditions so yeah I mean it's I'm sure when I sit down at the end of my career and look look back and think about what I've achieved you know it'd be great but at the minute I'm just I'm trying to focus on you know what the challenges we've got ahead I mean 405 test wickets is is the sum total of people like Ambrose um, Richard Hadley I, I mean I I'm sorry I'm going to make I'm going to embarrass you here but my three names that I think are the most skillful fast bowlers I've ever seen Dennis Lilly Malcolm Marshall Richard Hadley they're the most skillful I mean there are others that are you know dynamic and all that but those are the most skillful and you have, you are in that bracket but actually you're more accurate than Marshall and Lilly and you've got more versatility than Hadley so you know you are an incredible bowler actually do you still really enjoy it? You sound as if you do, actually. Do you, do you actually look forward? Because bowling is, is incredibly hard on the body, and you make light of that. And, you know, you can wake up and feel awful, can't you? But mm. do you actually really look forward to bowling still? Yeah, I do most days, yeah. There are times, you have games where, you know, the opposition are 400 for one, then, you know, going into a day's play and you, you're thinking it's a long day ahead. But generally, I enjoy the challenge, and I think as soon as... I stop enjoying that and stop enjoying the work that I do in practice and working on the skills. The minute I stop enjoying that, I think that's the time to to hang my boots up. But at the minute, uh, I'm loving playing. I'm loving playing with this group of lads. I think the f- me now focusing on Test cricket and, and Red Bull cricket has given me a bit of extra time off to be able to keep my body in good good shape. Uh, I've not got the worry of you know long white ball tours or series in in, in the middle of or in between test series so oh, having to bowl wide Yorkers or exactly yeah so I think that's really helped me and uh, it's helped me hone my, my Red Bull skills particularly the last couple of years so yeah I think yeah, as I said I'm, I'm really enjoying it and hopefully that'll continue for a few more years and you, you do see it as potentially a few more years I know it's an obvious question but you do see yourself I mean Trevor Bailey said the other day he could play till he's 40 I agree who, who knows I, I, I don't want to put a number on it or say I'm going to this is how long I'm going to play for because at the minute the way I feel I feel as good now as I did when I was 28 27, 28 um, sort of it, you know the, the way my body is and the way I cope with, with the stresses of bowling um, but who knows you know it could be an injury around the corner you know one series you bowl 60 overs 70 overs in two or three test matches and you, you're cooked and you might, I might think about it differently but at the moment the way my body is the way I'm enjoying myself uh, yeah hopefully I can carry on for a couple more years. Well, I hope you do, actually, because for, for somebody like me, you know, it's just fascinating watching how you manipulate batsmen around the crease, and I can sort of, I'm trying to read your mind all the time, and it, it gives us lots to write and talk about. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's a lovely chat, isn't it, Simon? It really was. A, a quick score check. Uh, India lead by 362 runs here. They're 194 for two. England haven't taken a wicket uh, this morning, and they'll be out again in about... Ten minutes led by Jimmy Anderson. But that's a really interesting chat, isn't it? And it's, uh, you and I are bound to find it interesting because, as, as we both would happily admit, we, we both wish we'd bowled like James Anderson. Mm. We tried. Mm. And, you know, on, on some days we, we, we did OK. But you know, this, this man for us is someone that we just watch and marvel at and just wish we could have bowled like him. Mm. And, and it's what it's the range, it, the range of skills he, he always had, as we heard with that 
first World Cup performance when he took the four wickets against Pakistan. He always had that natural swing, which was just something he was born with, I think, that, yes. that fluidity of his action. But he's learnt these other skills. And when I said that I thought he was more skillful than somebody like Richard Hadley, who, of course, played here at Trembridge for many years, I, I really mean it. I think he's got more versatility than someone as great as, as Richard Hadley was because he's learnt those other ways of being effective he swings the ball both ways. We haven't seen many of the, the in-swingers uh, in this test match, or in fact even in this series really, but we've seen a lot of the out-swingers. And I thought today was a great example of how he can adapt to the conditions because what the ball was about, I don't know, about 35 overs old, so it wasn't swinging, but he just used the what we call now the wobble seam, spreading yes. his fingers on the seam a little bit more to try and make the ball nip off the pitch. Gave the batsman absolutely nothing. He bowled seven overs this morning. There was one attempt to try and get Coley LBW which finished up as a half volley which was hit for four but apart from that he conceded three singles in seven overs he had the catch dropped of course by Butler and it must be so frustrating when you work a batsman round the crease as he was and then you get that ball which yeah. just leaves the, the batsman enough to get the edge and the, the, the edge goes down uh, Andrew did a little calculation earlier and he's figured out that of, of Anderson's 556 test wickets 272 caught either slip or wicketkeeper yeah. so almost half his wickets Which you'd expect. are caught behind yeah I mean second slip I think would feature highly there as well even down to that sort of accuracy with the way that the way that he bowled wouldn't you agree I, mean, yeah. that's, I know I've got most of my slip catches were second slip and key, key position and yes. they keep shelling them it must be devastating it must be absolutely I mean it just yeah. wants you want to get into a hole and go away but it, you know to his great credit he keeps going doesn't yeah. he and I, I think what is interesting for him is that you know so often and I, I don't know if you, you would agree with this but when I was 28, 29 I started to get what bowling was about. It took me seven, eight years to understand the, the, the action and the run-up and what worked best. By which time, 28, 29, 30, your body isn't as, as elastic and dynamic as it was when you're in your early 20s, so you're not bowling with quite that same sort of vim and, and zip. But in his case, he's learned all these skills and the, and the, the importance of run-up and the consistency of his action and the smartness of being able to bowl in different conditions. But his body is still like a, a 25-year-old because, A, he's a, a natural athlete, and, B, he hasn't had to play one-day cricket so much for the last three, four years. And so he's, that's prolonged his life at the top, if you like. Yes. It's interesting, too, on... I thought that bit we were talking about to him about when he said he sort of relaxed and, and, and didn't worry about having a bad game. Because actually, why, why should he have a bad game? Mm. And I think we all get to that stage. If you're a professional cricketer yeah. and you're playing regularly for your county, actually you do get to that stage, don't you, where you just actually you, you run out, you've got the ball in your hand yeah. uh, and you mark out your run and off you go. And you, actually you're not thinking negative things. Mm. Um, you might be a bit worried if you're bowling at Gordon Greenwich or something. <laughs> um, but... You just you do get to a stage in your career where that that goes, and that's I thought it was really interesting. On a that. sort of contentment, almost yes. in a way, rather than striving for the the brilliant delivery every ball and the dynamic spell. I think what one thing I've always I sort of identified with him is that I tried to be a swing bowler, and you know occasionally it worked, but the it's always a little bit more nervy being a spin a, a swing bowler because you don't know on a daily basis whether the ball is going to swing and so you start out trying to bowl I don't know middle and leg stump and hoping it's hooping away and it doesn't work so you get clipped off the the pads for four through the leg side and that inevitably makes you anxious and then when you're anxious you don't bowl as well the ball sort of sticks in your hands and all that I think it's much easier being a type of 
say, Angus Fraser or Glenn McGrath bowler because they're not relying on swing. They're just relying on, on line and length. Yep. And they the just pitch. keep hitting the pitch, the yep. same line. They don't vary that at all. They're almost like a machine. Yep. Whereas Anderson is an artist. Yep. And on a daily basis, he's not quite sure if, you, if you're painting a picture whether the brush stroke is going to work quite as well in the same way as your wrist work and your action. Are they going to produce that amazing yeah. late swing I or not? Totally so agree. It, it makes yep. you that much more anxious yep. as a swing bowler, but he's got through that yep. and realised that on days when it doesn't swing, he can still be really effective. Yeah. I mean, we would bowl completely differently to Gus, for yeah. instance, wouldn't we? Because he would bowl a little bit shorter, he'd bowl into the pitch, but you and I trying to bowl our swing about a little bit fuller, uh, almost trying to sort of kiss the ball off the surface, that extra bit of length would help the ball swing away. I, I, I have to be honest, I didn't, I didn't have a plan B, really. No. And that was, a, that was my failing. Well, it, was, it could have been, your, uh, in a way, your reliability also. The fact that you, you were always consistently at the batsman, weren't you? I yeah, mean, you're the line length. few but, bounces and things like yes, that. Yes, but, 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 but it's what he's developed for those days when the ball doesn't swing yeah. that, that I admire the most. Yes. Never heard of this wobble seam thing before. Mm. When occasionally, I mean, bear in mind, I, I played two years with Andy Roberts, who again was a master in, in that time of, of innovation. Mm. It was. It was fairly basic innovation, bowling out swingers from wide of the crease and swingers from close to the stump, so a little bit of double bluffery going on. And, and he used to bowl occasionally this, that cross-seam mm. ball, mm. but that was usually just ex- thought to be a, sort of a bouncer, really, so it, either, mm. it would either hit the leather and, and skim on quickly or, or hit the seam rotating backwards and just kick up a little bit. But to actually run up and bowl like that, because for a start, it, it, I mean, it damages, damages the... Leather, leather for a start, doesn't it? And mm. uh, I don't know. It was always seems rather a defensive thing for me if you held it that way. Yeah, but uh, but, but the the wobble scene for him has, has been something he's learnt from a couple of overseas bowlers. I think it was Stuart Clark who did it uh, for Australia, and it was also Mohammad Ati for uh, for Pakistan. He saw their skills, the way they zip the ball around without yeah. apparently doing anything swing-wise in the air, it just sort of nipped off the pitch. Vernon Philander's another one who, who seems to have that knack, and Anderson's acquired that as well as the late swing. I mean, we should just look at one or two stats, because people have said, oh, he's not as good away from home as he is at, at, in England. I mean, the stats uh, sort of slightly back that up, in that he's taken 360 wickets in England at 23, and 196 elsewhere at 32. So it is a higher average away from home, but actually 32 bowling in India, oh. Australia, South Africa is pretty respectable, and he's got that down over time. And the fact that his overall career average is now around 26 is phenomenal. And I just love the, the wickets that he's taken in that decade. If you look at the wickets, the leading wicket takers by decade over the, uh, the last 50 or 60 years in the world... It's quite interesting just to compare that. So if we go back to the 1950s, Richie Benno was the leading wicket-taker in the world in the 1950s with 165. Jumped to the 1970s, Derek Underwood, 202. 1980s, Malcolm Marshall, phenomenal. Mm. Yep. I mean, he was probably the greatest bowler there's ever been for sort of skills, really, and, and pace as Skill well. linked to pace. Skill linked yep. to pace. 323 in the 1980s. Shane Warne inevitably dominated the 1990s, 351 wickets. Murali dominated the 2000s with 571 <laughs> but then Anderson in the 2010s 408 wickets now and yeah. only three in this match so far but it's a it's a phenomenal performance and it's a it's a phenomenal performance not only of skill but longevity stamina yep. consistency and and actually desire as what well I, what I really admire about him too is, is the disguise 
Yes. I could. I, I did have a. I had a. I had an in swinger, mm. but it was such a bad one that Peter Woolley, when he was batting against me in the nets, would shout "Inner" as I started my <laughs> run up, and I could never get the hang of somehow making it all look the same. Mm. But Anderson could do that, and just but, with fingers. Yes, and in that reverse yeah. swing mode, he actually hides. He runs mm. into bowl, mm. shielding the ball from the batsman. I mean, mm. again, mm. The, the hours of work mm. and how he's. I mean, he'd, he'd been helped with the video and stuff that of course you know, we, we didn't have and all these different films and, and the level of coaching and so on that he'll, mm. he'll have had now but to, to go into that sort of depth mm. uh, I, I think it's brilliant I mean mm. it, just, it, it, it explains again why he's just on a completely different level than you and I, and you and actually, I ever were. also he's able to be sort of three bowlers in one isn't he because he starts with those outswingers round over the wicket and then if it doesn't swing he's got the, the wobble seam so he's trying to nip it off the wicket and then he, he can go round the wicket to the left handers and almost be like a left arm over bowler yeah. That's also Stuart Broad has, has perfected as well, curving the ball away from the, the left-handed batsman like a left arm over. So he's just got such versatility within this incredible blanket of control. Yeah. I, think, I think he has been fortunate, that's right, pulling it, and you, and you talked about it at the end there, of just being a test match bowler these mm. days. I yeah. mean, he doesn't have any of the stresses and the strains of having to, and, mm. and indeed having to bowl in different ways. Yeah. That they do have to. Mm. Imagine James Anderson trying to bowl in T20 and mm. having to. I know, bold, strange things and disguises and odd, odd slow balls. Yeah, I mean, and I, I'd like imagine it, it would probably jigger him up a bit. Even Anderson, I mean, it'd take a while to get back to bowling with a red ball De- again. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and things like practicing wide Yorkers, yes. that's, that takes a lot out of you physically. Yeah. You're trying to still bowl that pace for 84 miles an hour. And his pace, by the way, is still consistently 83, 84 miles an hour, even though he's now 36 years old. But bowling a full ball outside the off stump, sort of trying to just about hit those lines they mark yes. to manage to mark a wide in, in one-day cricket, that really is physically hard. It's harder, I think, than bowling a bouncer. Yeah. Trying to bowl it really full, you have to really bend your back and sling it down. You have to do that two or three times and the batsman melts it back over your head into the pavilion or <laughs> gets down on one knee and ramps you over the keeper's head. It's demoralising. Exactly. And all that's out of his game. And, and, and Stuart Broad's too, for that matter. How long do you reckon he'll go on then? I mean, he's very fit. Oh, I, 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 he was saying in that interview there, he's looking forward to Sri Lanka, yeah. uh, which is obviously in October, and the West Indies after that. Obviously, it's the Ashes next year. He's absolutely going to be up for that. There were, you can't ever know quite when another injury will come along, but yeah, he looks after his body very well. He does a lot of stretching, a lot of flexibility work. You'll see him before play now. He'll be out there if he's going to bowl again after lunch. He'll be out there with the three kg medicine ball, just doing a few simple exercises, slinging the ball to one of the bowling coaches or one of the other coaches, just to keep his muscles primed and ready to go. I mean... It's difficult to know, isn't it, when something terminal is going to happen to you. But the great thing with him is his legs look in prime nick and your legs are almost the key to your bowling. Well done, Simon. Uh, Really interesting. I mean, swing bowling Mm. is is such such an extraordinary skill, I think. Changing all the time, people learning all the time. But the good old traditional outswingers, inswingers and everything else, absolutely, uh, it's, it's it's a wonderful part of, of this sport. Thank you very much indeed. A lovely interview with James Anderson. Thanks for taking the time to download this BBC Radio 5 Live podcast. To search for other podcasts you might like, click bbc.co.uk slash 5 Live where you'll also find our terms of use.